0: Episode 8, the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, the podcast for the everyday coach, where each week we interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's on your quest to achieve peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams that you coach.
1: So that's what I'm trying to really fill out right now. And I think guys, this, the last five to six years as assistant coach has really helped me understand what this is about. And my, my peace and my happiness doesn't come with winning games, it comes with helping people.
0: This week, I am excited to have our guest, Coach Tim Mosier from Colorado State University Women's Basketball. And unlike some of our other guests, Tim is someone that I know through one of my good friends. He's been uh, a real close colleague of one of my good friends from college, and so I've actually kind of followed Tim's journey through his through my friend's uh, life and and seen where tim has gone and let's share just a little bit with him. He is currently uh on the coaching staff for Colorado state women's basketball, but he has a very very Exciting career that he has been very successful at the NCAA Division II level as well as the junior college level. In fact, when he was up uh, when he was coaching NCAA Division II basketball, he was at Alaska Anchorage, and he had a uh, a, a great career up there. And some of the things that I'll, I'll kind of point out in terms of there that he had 81 consecutive weeks ranked in the top 25 coaches poll. They dropped no lower than 19th during that five-year span, and they, they're the only club in Division II basketball to ever make that claim. Um, when he was at the, down at the junior college level, at junior college down in Colorado, an area that uh, we talked about a little bit earlier today when we got on, uh, we were talking about the Arkansas Valley of Colorado, he had a very impressive record where he was coaching both the men's and women's basketball for Otero Junior College. And 20 seasons as a head coach, Moser has accumulated a record of 459 and 129, and with a combined season record at the junior college level and the Division II level. And on the women's basketball side, just on women's basketball, his record is 287 and 61. And you know, we just heard Boyd that uh, Tim also starting is working on his PhD and started his doctorate. Tim, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Did we miss anything? Is there something that you? No. Can add?
1: No, thank you. That was, that was really, that's, that's nice. Thank you, guys. I couldn't add anything other than that. It, was, it made me lose all my hair all those years, especially those eight <laughs> years in Otero. So,
0: catching both those teams. So. Yep. Well, like I said, we're excited to have you on, on our show with us today. And we like to go into our first half. In our first half, we always love to talk about the mentors, mentors that you've had. And the reason we like to expand onto mentors is because we know that they help us expand our vision. They help us stretch our horizons. Um, they, they really help us uncover those blind spots that we might have as we're going through our own personal journeys. And what we'd like to do is can you share with us maybe one or two of your mentors that you've had and how they've helped you grow through mentorship?
1: Well, you know, when you, this question here is there's so many people, and I think I've been blessed to to not have become a head coach right out of the gate, you know, I, I learned and you can watch and you can evaluate and kind of assess different things. Not saying you want to do all those things, but you can sit back and kind of watch. And from my high school coach to the my four year coach, I, and the guy that I would say more than anything is a guy named Bob Davis, and he coached at Eastern Wyoming. He's probably, in my opinion, one of the best tacticians, probably one of the best teachers in basketball. You know, but I think he taught me so much more about you know ba- why, what's the purpose of, of coaching and he, he you know he made us tougher he made us he he made he, he really focused on making us men held us accountable and it was so much more than just you know x and o's or a skill set for basketball and i would say bob davis i played for him for two years he came back and worked for him for four and i'm not the only one i think there's i think someone told me there there's 50 of his guys that are now out there coaching high school college somewhere and and I and I feel privileged to say that he's my mentor. He was kinda of like my father for, for that period of time. He's a real strong Christian man and, and I stood there not all the time did I agree with but I loved how he was always open to new ideas. I loved how challenging he was and I loved how I really loved how he stuck to his standards when he coached. So I would say he's the guy that I look to for that.
0: Well, there's two things that you mentioned that I, I just quickly jotted down right away. And first of all, was learning to help define your purpose as why we coach. And I think that's a challenge that a lot of coaches they go through, especially early on. And, and I can relate to you as, as being a head coach right out of the gate. So I, I've been there with you. That, that you know, I, I was a head coach right out of the gate. Talk to me a little bit about that that journey of helping you define your purpose. What 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 have you learned about what what is the root purpose for a coach? Well, you know, it's it's
1: funny. When I first started, I kind of got in the profession accidentally. I don't know. Everyone's story is different. I didn't know, I didn't know really what I wanted to do after I graduated. So I just took a GA job, started working at Southern Utah. But then he, he kind of grabbed me. And after playing, it was a great two years for him. But being behind the scenes and being part of a staff is totally different. You, you kind of see all the effort and the stuff that he did. And I think what I really appreciated, when he taught me, and, and, and good and bad, and I'd say this, you know, he taught me the purpose when I played for him. He He really focused, and I thought he really focused on, growing men, teaching men, and, and, and really emphasizing the real purpose. You know, you know as well as I do right now that people say it's about the kid. It's not. Sometimes it's a business. And I think what happened when I came back there, we started having so much success that he started losing focus on that, and now and he started losing things and started trying to win. And, and, I think, and I think I can look back at my career and say that, that the same thing happened to me, even though we, me and Bob had lots of conversations about this, about what's best for the kid, what's best for the program and what helps us win. So I would say Bob really did a great job of sitting me down. He's been there for me for the whole time, my ups and downs. He's the first one to call. He's always been there with insight. And I think think every coach goes through this. I'm watching it now just working at CSU. These coaches, they they sometimes forget what the purpose of it is. And our purpose to coach is to teach and is to grow. And sometimes that means even if you have to lose, you've got to do the right thing for kids for their development. And Bob did that early on, and I think both him and myself, Lost that because we started trying to win because you put so much pressure on yourself as a head coach. Most head coaches know that. So. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that, and I you know sometimes you have to lose. Would, would it be fair for you to say that um, as coaches? I almost hear you saying something that I've been I've been really I've been really taking a deep dive in this myself over the last really over the last two to three months as we started this podcast. I've really been taking a, a really deep dive into this and and I really came up with a statement that it's really developing young men, young women that extends beyond the field, extends beyond the court what is their success, what is their real potential beyond the playing field Would would you agree with that?
1: I, 100%. And, and that's what, when I when I took, when I was young and eager after working for Bob, I wanted to take the Otero job. I wanted to do this, and I really wanted to invest in people's lives. And, you know, because not everyone has a, a two-parent great household. and Some of these kids need that growth. And see the, and I think through basketball, I know what I was taught. When when you're at a certain age, Bob Bob maybe saved my life. And he taught me that the working hard and the, the tough things that you need to go through and the challenges and the adversity you need to fight. And then, you know, how to work together with the team and how to sacrifice. All those things carry over to your life and I always took it at least as a pride at least parts of my career and I I can't say I'm I'm back there now but for the most part I would say I'm happy now that I I can go back to where Bob started and it's like our job is to make these men and women prepared for life because life's hard you know life's hard and if you can take something some lesson you learned on the court or a locker room lesson or a teaching moment or some sort of teamwork building that these kids can move on with their life and then become mentors for other people and that I think that's our job and I, I think so many coaches have forgotten that because there's pressure to win.
0: Oh, so. uh, you just said, teach them to become mentors for others. That's yes. that's that's a great little piece you added on there. You know, Boyd, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I want to take one step deeper with Tim if that's okay. I, I'm gonna I want to challenge you just a little bit, Tim, just because I've been going through this challenge, and so as, as I'm thinking about this whole idea of us of going deeper and and trying to go into Really, helping these kids, and I'm not talking about the, the failures and adversity that we'll talk about in that second half, but really, why why do you think as coaches and and, and I, I'm asking myself the same question, so I, I want to kind of pull this out of you because you've mentioned it two or three times. Why do you think we do get caught up in winning? And winning is what is what, what we define success off, and then all of a sudden we we have this big aha moment. You know, what, speaking to your journey, just about that, why is that? Why did you why did you have that um, that thought, and then that epiphany?
1: Well, I, I think it's I think I think most coaches. I mean, some people get in. I've had all sorts of people be my assistants, former players, and I always ask them, "Why do you want to do this? What do you really want to do it for?" And when I got into it, I really wanted to have the same impact that. Bob and some of the coaches had in my life. Some were negative, and I learned from it, but I I wanted to do that. And I think the thing that I'd say more than anything for me personally is when I watched it from a scene, I watched how Bob Davis affected me and helped me, and I I really wanted to do that. And I think when you become a head coach, and I'm watching it now from another seat over, it's easier for me to be an assistant coach and and talk to my boss and say, well, you know, it's it's easier. I, I sleep better at night than he does because he's got all the pressure, and people right. feel like he's the guy that, that has, you know, needs to win his, his family's online. But I think if I ever took a position like that, again, I think it would actually be easier, because I realized, I think that when you lose focus and you focus on winning, you actually hurt yourself a lot. So I, I think when I first, when I was at hotel, I had an opportunity to coach or speak at the Chasset events, and they'd all ask me, how do, you play? how do you get your kids to play hard? How do you get them to cheer for each other? How and I, and I, to be quite honest with you, it's hard. And I think some coaches don 't want to do it because because you you i think they i think most coaches think that confront, confrontation of being honest and direct to players hurts maybe their chances to win but actually, I think most kids and I would say all kids expect honesty or respect honesty and and truth telling and, and say where you stand what it is and and, and show that you care about these kids with your words and I think, and kids are smart, and you know this as a former coach, and kids see right through things. As an assistant coach, they, 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 they evaluate your character from a the get. They want to see how your, your words match, your actions all the time. And when you say something in front of it, you better, you better do it. And I think that's what I noticed the most. I think that was an aha moment for me when I started seeing Bob really trying to step away from that. He started focusing about him. He wanted to win instead of making it about this group of men. This group of men needs to win no matter what the record is. It's because I think he started feeling like it. he failed. He felt like a failure. And so I think that that happened to me quite a bit too.
0: I, I, you just nailed it on the head and I, that was, I, I've been there too. And I almost, I, I see, I want to hear you saying, and I can agree with it is it's almost easier to deal with the winning and losing on, on the court, on the field, than it might be to deal with what happens off of the court and off the field, because it takes work, you know, it, well, it, it, it takes work to do that.
1: Well, it's, it's, you know what, it's, when I was at Otero, I had the great support of an athletic director, and it wasn't about women. It it, it, it was it was about educating our young men. And, and I, athletic director, if he would have left, I would have left earlier. Now, we all we never we never always we didn't always see eye to eye, but I appreciated that. And I remember several times, our star player, one of the best players I had, would do something, and I would discipline him and sit him out, suit him up, make him sit there, make him make him answer, don't just dress him in street clothes, make him answer all those questions of why you're not playing, and own it, own the own those things because his teammates were relying on him. And then when I got to Anchors, I started realizing, oh man, if I do that, <laughs> you know, that's going to hurt me and my chances. And I, right. I think that's, and I think that's something that I really evaluated. and realized we won without the kid, anyways. And in the end, I think it, it would have helped us grow trust, help the young man grow. And, and I take pride in some of those decisions I made early on in my career. And I wish I would, I wish I would have continued to do that when I went to Anchorage. because it became such a about winning. Not like right. we had bad kids, but I think there are some things you need to confront because it's more important for these kids to hold themselves accountable for. Social behaviors, effort, attitude—certain behavior, things that they need in the rest of their lives, so I think that's our job.
0: Well, so. uh, you—the you, the first half was just filled with some incredible value there. Uh, let's let's turn this over to Boyd and go into our halftime. Okay.
2: Ken, that was a great uh, first half, and uh, I have to agree with all that you and Christian have discussed. I've been over here on this end writing notes. And uh, understanding that, uh, that, yeah, we do, we do have to own it. And uh, Mm -hmm. one of the things that my dad used to always say was, if you mess up, be big enough to fess up. Yep. And I'm hearing all of that here, and uh, I know that uh, the kids that have been under you are better as a result of it. Our Mm halftime, what we want to do in our halftime, Tim, is just talk about some things that Uh, can improve our performance for the second half whether it be the second half in the game second half of life Uh, we just want to know what some of your insights are to help our listeners on their journey and so i'm just going to wrap through the four questions here and uh, we'll see how quick we can get uh, we can get through them number one is if you could recommend a book what would it be and why
1: well there's you know
2: lately i've been i guess
1: i'm an avid reader now i would say one of the things Two books really stood out. I mean, obviously, I'm a Christian, so mere Christianity, see C.S. Lewis stood out for numerous reasons, but the two books that really stood out to me was Wild at Heart by John Eldridge, and I think it was because it, it talks, if I could coach men again, it talks about three things in the purpose of a man's life, you know, find, what, right. find a battle to fight, live an adventure, and find a beauty to love, and those three things, I think those things what every man really wants in their life, and so then as a leader, I think I really, lately, I think me and Ted, Christian, really liked this book, we'd get on, Karen Keller's book, the, the One Thing, and I think I'm noticing that here as a coach. I think so many coaches want to do everything. You know, they, they try to focus on everything, and they're not good at any of them. Like, we, we scrimmaged the other day, and I'm in a room, and after we played, there were 30 different things. we And, we, and I agree, we need to work on all those. The kids aren't going to do it. So I think you need to be great at one thing, and then move on. And, and I, so I think right. that was one of the best books I ever I read for me personally, because I think there's so many things, I want to do everything right, but I think I need to be great at one thing, and then I can advance to the next thing, and whatever that is, whatever it is. So,
2: well, with that answer, you've given uh, our, our listeners uh, several reading assignments. The Wild at Heart by uh, John Eldridge, absolutely wonderful, uh, The three points, uh, and it's very, it's very interesting that it is simple. It's so right. simple that it almost is difficult to make the application to. But uh, having that book on hand is very helpful. Yes. Uh, it dovetailing uh, from that into the uh, next question, what is a favorite quote that you have, and who's the quote from?
1: You know, what I was looking at this, and just the other day in, in my in my coursework, I, I, I had the same question, and I, I really thought about just me and what I've gone through, and I said, it was Socrates, stupid enough, a the Unexamined life is not worth living. And I think that goes for coaching, and I think it goes for everything. I think too many people, we go... We need to examine ourselves. We need to examine our purpose. We need to examine what we're trying to do constantly to make sure that we grow. Right. So, so I think that was the one that really stood out for me in, in numerous areas. So I think it's our job as coach to be accountable. If you're yourself, you better, you're not perfect. So you're going to hold yourself accountable. So.
2: Exactly. What a great quote and not a hard one to, to memorize, right? No, no. What, uh, what is a personal habit or a ritual that you do every day, that contributes to your success
1: well this was this was strange i mean i, I know it's
2: always in my head but i
1: i got to know don meyer and some of those guys And this guy he wrote everything down and spoke into a little microphone i never did that till lately <laughs> you know and so I, so I started doing it i'm doing it now like i, I think every time before i go to bed I, I have my iphone i write in my notes this is what i want to do or i eat myself three things every day i want to get done now and then I just try to make sure I do that. And that's, that's part of that, that one thing in the book. I just try to make sure every day I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it and do it and do it before I move on. Now, if my boss tells me to do something, that becomes the first thing. But but I try to do three right. things right every day to, to make sure I advance myself. And some of it just might be read or try to, you know, help a kid or do something through it. So,
2: right, three things. And, and uh, how long at the end of the day does it typically take you to – to reflect and, and uh, make some adjustments and write down those three things for your next day, you know what I think, I think I
1: got them every day around four or five after work. I'm sitting there going, I need to do this, I need to do that doing my, doing my doctor It makes me think a lot. I mean about leadership, I think that's the biggest thing I'm trying to grow myself personally, and I think that's what a lot of coaches do. I think they need to grow themselves as leaders, so I think they should focus on one or two areas of their life about am I really is my fluence really have the impact it should. And I think that, and I think that means you better examine your your trustworthiness and your authenticity. So, I, so I try to put some of those things like that. Am I doing this? Make sure I stay stay the course. Stay the
2: course, and make sure I always do that. So. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap up our halftime with one more question, mm-hmm. and it is: What is your favorite measuring stick to achieve peak performance in this season of your life? Or put mm-hmm. another way, what are your current goals?
1: You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, because I –
2: I'm around a lot of young kids, and, and
1: everyone talks about being happy, and happy, and happy, and happiness, and, and, it's, and it's kind of funny to me right now because it's like i I, I got my dad who's not sick and certain things that I've learned through basketball, and Bob taught me that life's tough. And and I think one of my biggest goals right now is to be at peace and be contentful. And I think with that pursuit, I think happiness comes. And so I'm saying that that is my goal. And I, and I say as a coach, I, I think I could tell you when we were winning at our highest in Anchorage and Otero, I could tell you that there was a point in me that the wins met. Less, and the losses meant more. And, and it was sad. I kept, we won, we won, we won. We won it, was like, it didn't feel anything. It felt like there was a void in my chest. <laughs> it, it, I just kept trying to fill it up with these wins, and it, and it, and it, didn't, it didn't work. So that's what I'm trying to really fill out like right now. And I think as this, the last five to six years as assistant coach has really helped me understand what this is about. And my, my peace and my happiness doesn't come with winning games. It comes with helping people. Christian, so,
2: before, <laughs> before I turn it mm-hmm. back over to you, mm-hmm. we've got to say that one more time. We, we we gotta have Tim say that one more time at the tail end, and I know that you caught it. And and what what's what's more important than wins?
1: Yeah, I think it's about serving and helping people. I, I think I've realized it. Just I'm telling you, lift others up, you know, and, and keep my ego out of it. And that's one thing I know I'm, I'm trying to do every day. So
2: right now, my job is to elevate the
1: kids I'm coaching and my boss, and I try to do it every day. Yeah.
2: Okay, wonderful, wonderful, man. Uh, that's, a, that's an excellent halftime wrap-up, and I'm going to turn it back over to Christian so we can get into our second half.
0: Yeah. So in our second half, we like to talk about our adversities and our failures, and we do like to embrace those as they are the stepping to- stones to our success. And my young son, Mason, he's a, he's a 10-year-old. He, he's a little inventor, and he shared with me that, you know, Thomas Edison failed over th- 10,000 times, Dad, I go. Did he really fail? He says, "No, actually, I read he never failed. He just found that there's ten thousand ways that something didn't work." What we want mm-hmm. to know from you is, can you share with us one or two of your biggest failures and how you overcame them? How you use those to become the stepping stones for your journey now?
1: Well, you know, I think. I mean, I think if someone read my bio and certain things, I did have an NCAA violation, and and I'm well, some of the stuff I'm talking about now. When I had them come in and talk to me, I'd, I and I'd say this even because the incidentally told me that, I, I was honest and forthright. They said, was it ethical? I don't know if it was ethical or not. You know, I broke a rule, but I kept my word. You know, something broke down with compliance. So I would say the biggest, I guess, the things that I've done, I think with everybody, most people have choices they make and they make the wrong ones. I mean, most people get, have, have create their own adversity and i think i've done that i think and i think that's what i'm i think that's why it's helped me so much is realize i need to stay out of my own way if i do the right thing all right things, good things usually happen and i've learned from it and i think that's the thing so how am i learning every day i mean every day i, I have great people around me that understand my true character you Know i'm doing this and that and understand that when you get involved in this thing it's a dangerous profession sometimes you know especially if you really follow my background you're, you're with my, my, it started to try to win as an assistant coach, and, and I'm, I, I read the Patino, and I read some of that stuff, you're like, how, did that happen? how does this happen? Well, it's a business, you know, and, and it's, it's it's crazy, and these guys lose themselves in it. So the biggest thing I would say that I need to do, and my biggest aha moment in my profession, is I should have never left what Bob Davis taught me. I should have kept my ego out of it. Uh, it's As hard as that, that sounds for me, that I want to make sure I admit it and own it. You know, I, I should have just... Should have stayed forward. and should have taught these these young men how to act, these young women how to act, and make sure they're always doing the right thing and acting the right way.
0: So, uh, you know, this is the first time I've ever heard someone say this. I and, and you know, in terms of the way you said it, I've heard get out of your own way. I, I've heard yeah. that comment, and I've actually been. I've one of my mentors, you know, at an event, pulled me aside and poked me in the chest, saying, "Hey, Christian, get out of your own." bleeping way is the way he said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but what you said really reframes this and I I want I want to repeat this. Most people create their own adversity. And that is that is a such a, a different and profound way to look at this this whole idea about adversity is that we create our own adversity, so we are ultimately are responsible for the outcomes of what we create and Oops. how can we learn from that adversity rather than putting blame on it and you know and i and I you know people can go and read your bio, and I'm not going to go into detail with some of those things that you had. But, you know, when it, comes, when it comes down to some of the things you're talking about, that you, you must keep your word and always keep your word in, in whatever you choose to do. And that is going to be your way out of adversity and failure. Um, and can you just speak into that for a second?
1: Well, for sure. I guess I'd go back. I want to make sure there's a, you know, the, the NCAA stuff. I'll own that. The other situation, the AD got mad, I got fired. That's, that's a lie. But this situation here I would say and I talk about it with all the time with our kids, and I like there's so many times I complain about not playing, they complain about not playing and i and I always talk to them on the side I, well don't do anything that gives them a reason to support their their decision not to play you and they and they constantly do it, they quit working as hard, they become an empty uniform on the sideline, not all invested, and then they complain, and they just complain about not playing what well, did, did you really do everything and then when I start thinking about when I, the first time you try to get yourself. When you, it's hard to hold yourself accountable. It's, it is hard sometimes in front of people. But I've, I watch it every day in, in, with our with with our staff. Sometimes we want to blame this and blame that. But as a coach, I felt like when I was at my best, when we lost, I wanted to figure out what I did, and not just go, "Well, those kids didn't do this, kids didn't do that." What could we have done as a staff to do this? And I think that's is I think that's the primary job of a coach is to first evaluate if they're if they're the ones in the way. And I heard Gino say that the other day. Sometimes we overcoach. Sometimes we overcoach, we overdo certain things. And, but I think that the biggest thing I learned from Bob Davis is he kept things simple until he started complicating it. You know, he, started, he tried to add everything. I watch Mike Dunlap right now, who's one of the best coaches I've known. But he, he's trying to add everything. And, that, and I think that's instead of just keeping it simple when he was at Metro State, when he was winning, he tries to get all the information and add it in there. And I think sometimes coaches create their own problems. And a lot of it is when re- through the recruiting process right now more than anything, and that's what I'm trying to that's my role. That's what I'm trying to do. I think you can I think you can limit a lot of your problems by being honest in the recruiting process. telling them what they're going to expect, and, and I can tell you one of the biggest reasons transfers at such a high rate right now is these coaches lie. They make broken promises left and right, and then they end up complaining about the kid they just got. You know, they just create their own adversity through the recruiting pro- process. So. Uh,
0: I... Yeah. I. I think you could, This I think it relates to basketball as well as it does soccer. And you yes. you said something that was pretty powerful. I'm gonna you know as we as we wrap up the second half and we we talking about it and you talk about keeping simple. At the end of the day, basketball, soccer, you know you know football. These sports, they are the simplest games in the world. Yes. Get the ball and the other team's goal, and keep it out of yours. It, yes. It's that simple. But we complicate it as coaches. Oh no. yes.
1: So uh, I, I I think there's a reason why there's every every time I go into some of these rooms, most coaches want to be the smartest guy in the room and instead sort of just realizing. That's what I really appreciated about Bob. Right? When he was at his best, is he just understood it was a simple game. It was a simple game. Yeah. And
0: so that's great. Hey, Boyd, let's let's take this into the locker room now. Let's talk about the legacy, the legacy questions that that Tim could leave with our listeners.
2: Man, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, heading into the locker room, I, I almost feel like I need a Gatorade <laughs> after after all the writing that I just did yeah. right now. Uh, and I know that you pointed out something, Christian. I want to point out something else that I heard uh, that's going to help lead us into the locker room. And it says, "Don't," Tim said, "Don't become an empty jersey, uh, jersey or an empty uniform." Very, very good. Yeah. And since we've kind of covered your big all moment. Let me move on to the second question in the locker room as we deal with legacy. What are you most excited about today?
1: Well, let me go back one second, but I just want to make sure that this is something funny. This is a coach. I think all you guys can relate to this. It's my aha moment as a coach when I first started, I thought I was really good. It was my first time as a head coach, and I was playing Northeast Virginia College, and I had a play lined up against a Hall of Fame coach. And I came out there and threw it up against the man, and I realized, man, the whole time, the last possession, he went to his own. And then I realized at that moment that other guys trying to beat me too. And I, and I think some coaches don't understand that. I think that you know both sides are invested in winning. So and I would say that what excites me about the most today is is leadership. I, I think I think I've taken more interest in, in leadership. I think I think there's I think athletics has a void. I think there's I think maybe there's a lot of void in leadership right now and I think doing this doctorate and really evaluating it from our football coach here, to our men's basketball, to our women's. I try to watch, and, I, and, you, and you really you try to study some things. So what really, really excites me is that I'm trying to figure out a way to do my dissertation. I'm trying to figure out what really makes a good leader. and I, I think it, you know, everything talks about trust. If the players or the soldiers trust their guys in moments of crisis. So I'm trying to figure out a way, you guys, to figure out how is like a Bill Belichick or a Coach K, how often can you see that when they're down, do they come back and win? You know, and there's some mm-hmm. things when they're down, they're done. And, and so I'm just – I'm trying to figure out that's when leadership comes into play. So that's kind of exciting me about about that, how you can really influence kids when, when things are bad. So. Well, it
2: sounds to me like your best mm-hmm. coaching days are right ahead of you. I'm hoping. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's jump into that last question real mm-hmm. fast. Uh, well, not real fast, but I just want to at least ask it as fast as I can. What do our listeners need to know that you know in order to grow? Mm-hmm.
1: I think there's, I've, when I read this question, I would listen to this. I think there's three things. I think I, think I need to challenge myself more. I think I, and I, and I, by that, I, I think the challenges go to really assessing myself and not, not having any self-deception. I, I think I really, really have to challenge my heart. What, what, what am I making this decision for? And that's what I do. And I think one of the biggest things I think that most people don't do when they go into meetings is they, and it, it's, a, it's a skill. Patience is a skill and listening is a skill. So now I'm trying to get myself. Every time I go into a meeting or a coaching meet, I want to be one of the last guys to talk, <laughs> and so the first guy to right. talk. I, I really want to listen. So I think that's what I would. That would probably be the one thing I'd say, especially young coaches. You want to get in this profession? You don't know anything. You know you want. don't know you think you do. Take it easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and listen mm-hmm. and soak everything <laughs> in, and, and 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 just listen, and then and then build your philosophy from that. You know, some of these guys come in and they want to start their philosophy without even knowing. It. Just wait, because it changes. Mine's right. still
2: changing today. <laughs> you right. Know? And that's what I said. So. Absolutely. So, challenge yourself more. Hit me one more time with number two and three. I would say assess yourself. I think you really need to assess
1: yourself, examine yourself, and then, and then just sit back and listen. I think listening, we can grow. If we really listen, we can grow ourselves. So, there's a lot of oh, good. I, every day. I sit there and I'm telling you, my, my I'm, I'm in a room. I'm a women's basketball. Suddenly, there's, there's six of us in a room. And there's everyone in that room can I, can I can pick a nugget out of one each one of them every day if I really listen.
2: So right, right, exactly. And, I can, and
1: you can do it on your players too. They, sometimes they know more than we do.
2: Oh yeah, so. oh yeah, very good stuff. And uh, I I think that this is going to be one of those uh, one of those podcasts that I think's recorded. Not only well, of course it's recorded, but it's going to be uh, listened uh, to over and over again, and then rewound. And, and what did he say there? What did he say there? There's a lot of good stuff that you've given us, uh, Tim, during this call, and we appreciate your time today. Oh, I'm going to go you. ahead and turn it back over to to our main man, Christian. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh,
0: Tim, just some great stuff, and I, you know, I, I'm excited to hear about where your journey is taking you. Uh, Obviously, you, know, you 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 know a little bit about where where I've gone, and and now that we are we're really passionate about this whole idea of leadership in sports, and and to hear you you're getting excited about that uh, is that's that's just a confirmation that we're on the right track with what we're trying to do.
1: Well, I think it's a, I think what you guys are doing. I think the focus of coaches. I think. You know, we could probably talk for hours about this, but I think I think the leadership is really important. I think so many people get in the coaching, or they get in the teaching field, or get into some leadership field. And they don't even understand what comes with that. And I think that's, uh, that's I think that's the key is be authentic and keep growing every day. I mean, cause I, I can tell you that if I coach again tomorrow, I can tell you I might think I've seen everything before, but something's going to come at me that's totally different. That's going to challenge me new on the floor or with a, with a player relationship or something. You know, some something's going to challenge me new. So.
0: Great. That makes so it fun. Yep. <laughs> Great. Let's go into our post game. And in our post game, <laughs> we like to really talk about how we can connect with you and, and I've already written down Colorado state women's basketball and they can go learn more about where you're coaching and learn more about the Rams and the basketball program that you guys have going there. And you and coach Ryan have done an incredible job of turning that program around and, and making it into the NCAA tournament. But where else can, where else can our listeners connect with you and learn more about what you're doing or or might want to engage with you in a conversation on what they might have heard.
1: You know, I, I, I told you prior that, that I hired this company named Brand Yourself. It's, a, it's an interesting thing, so they, they they try to put three websites up for you. And, and he asked me to do that, and I changed it. I didn't really want it about me, so I did one with Timmosier.org, and it was it was I just wanted former players to get on there and celebrate what they've done in their lives. So that that's what that website is. And It's kind of cool for anyone that's played for me or that wants to track someone. It's Timmosier.org, and it, all it does is just track. They're putting up five players, I think, every two weeks to see where they're doing in their life. Like Brian Shaw, the strongest man in the world, played for me. It's kind of cool to follow these guys. And I then I have one, is and this this is what they put together is just total leadership stuff. You can connect with anyone through those things. They have my email and my phone number on it.
0: So Sure. So do you have a Twitter account or anything like that?
1: I do. I do. And, again, they put this together. I think it's Tim R. Mosier, Coach. Okay. Yep. So... And I just took it over. I did I did just take this over. It was kinda of fun. It's kinda of fun to throw a couple of leadership quotes out
0: there every once in a while.
1: And you can learn a lot from some other people. It's good.
0: So. Yep, I I'm uh, you, I'm even following
1: Donald Trump right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, so. and he he's the king of tweeting. <laughs> yes he is. That's close. Well, I, I would just love to thank you for being on our show with mm-hmm. us today. You you really you gave us a new perspective and you know if Most of our listeners, we know that we've spent a little bit of time in the soccer world, but I really believe that there's so much to be learned from coaches, no matter where they coach, and, and to be able to bring you in and coming out of the basketball world, I mean, Boyd, I think you'd agree that there's there's crossovers in every person that we've talked to, whether they're coming out of the business world in sports, whether they're coming out of being the leadership experts that are dealing with sports, and now we're we're, we're Crossing platforms with coaches, we're hearing we're hearing some powerful messages coming out of these guys. In that we need to change the paradigm that what's happening in our coaching world.
1: I agree with you. Support might be different, yeah. business might be different, but leadership remains. It's important. So yeah, I agree. It. Thank you, guys.
0: Thanks a lot, Tim. And we will be following the Rams at Colorado State University. And uh, you know, everybody, if you didn't catch that, timmoja.org. org. Or TimMoja.net, you can uh, you can learn more about Tim and what he's doing. This has been the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, where we interview those coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's in your step, in your quest to achieve peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams you coach. We hope you've enjoyed our show, and go and click on one of the links that we've provided to learn more about our guests or any of the other products we have to help you in your journey.